0: Welcome to another episode of This Engineering Life, the Undergraduate Series. I'm Becky Simmons, a professor of the practice in mechanical engineering and materials science at Duke University. I'm joined with Celine, Raina, Richard, Paulina, Ellie, and Jack, all undergraduate engineering students also at Duke. In this episode, we're talking about classroom tips, and we have interviews with students and with an expert. Thank you for joining
1: us. Hey everyone, this is Raina, and I'm here with two seniors, Jack Rhodes and Michael Dillon, and we're here to talk to you guys about classroom tips, so I will have them introduce themselves. Jack, would you want to start us off?
2: Hi, I'm Jack Rhodes. I'm a senior at Duke, majoring in electrical
3: and computer engineering, as well as political science. Uh, I'm Michael Dillon. I'm also a senior, and I'm also majoring in electrical and computer engineering.
1: Awesome. So this episode is all about tips for managing your life in the classroom. Um, so I know you guys do a lot outside of the classroom, and I think that really factors into how you manage in the classroom and do well at school, um, especially with Duke being such a rigorous academic university, as we all know, as seniors. So Jack, why don't you tell us a little bit about your extracurricular life and what you do to make sure that you can balance the two?
2: Yeah, so one of the biggest extracurriculars I do on campus is serving as the president of engineering student government which involves a lot of different meetings going on, both with administration, student groups, everyone on ESG to kind of manage all the projects we have going on at the same time. And so it's definitely a constant juggle between different commitments with engineering student government, as well as making sure I attend all my classes, get all the work done on the class side, and figuring out how to find that balance.
1: Yeah. Okay. Michael, what about you? What do you do outside the classroom? Uh,
3: So I'm in the Air Force ROTC program here at Duke. Um, It's A bit of extra work. Um, It entails quite a bit. Uh, There's about two extra classes you have to take per semester. Uh, One of them doesn't really count as a real class. Um, I'll get to that a little bit more later, though. Um, uh, There's some uh, PT requirements, Uh, so like working out. uh, That's just a couple mornings a week. Um, But generally, I'd say it it amounts to about 10 to 15 extra hours of work a week. So
1: So just a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, just 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 a a, a small amount. A good thing
3: about it, though, is a lot of it is time you wouldn't already be spending that, right? So um, PT, you wake up 6 a.m., you're done by 7.30, you weren't gonna use that for anything helpful anyway, right? (laughs) So that's three hours you already get kind of back, so.
1: Okay, fair enough. So what about like getting up early in the morning, does that affect you on the later end of the day though?
3: Uh, A little bit. I'm not a caffeine person, Mm. so I typically just try to get through my day without any. However, some of those days get really long and then just a cup of coffee helps, right? And if you stay off the caffeine, then one cup does enough, right? Uh, gets you through the day. So that's just my little tip. <laughs> <But. enough. laughs>
1: we did an episode earlier this semester where we talked about coffee naps, or maybe it was last semester. We read a book called When, and one of the pieces of advice it gave for like time management was when you're like really, really tired, is you drink a cup of coffee and you go to bed for 20 minutes, like <laughs> just 20 minutes. You set a timer, and you're supposed to wake up feeling more energized than like if you had just done the two separately. Huh. I like so. that. That's a nice tip. If you want to try it out, I just did it last week. It actually made me feel really good. I was having one of those days where I was just so stressed out that I was like on the verge of tears over like the smallest inconvenience. And I was like, I think I need a nap. But what about you guys? Do you ever have those days where you're just feeling like so overwhelmed by everything? Because I feel like there's always a lot of moving parts. And if you do, what do you do to navigate that?
2: Yeah, I'll definitely have days where it'll be doing classes pretty much from like 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. And then every period that I have in between classes is filled with meetings, filled with meeting different people, running around all over campus. Um, And then I get to the point where it's like 5, 6 p.m. I'm done with classes, done with meeting everyone who I need to meet. And then I realize that I still have a mountain of homework to do and a mountain of projects. And so I think at that point, I just kind of take a break in the middle of the day and say, this is my dinner. I'm going to take a minute just to decompress, relax, and then just circle back to work. Um, And I'm pretty bad about getting to sleep at a normal hour. Um but the homework will often get pushed back and be done later at night. But I feel like that separation between daytime activities and the nighttime personal, getting through the work and grinding out a lot of important
3: stuff is a big distinction that's helping me.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Completely agree with that. Um, Taking a minute to yourself, I think, is super important. Um, My Thursdays, I'm basically going nonstop from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., so that's a rough day. And then Fridays, I usually have a class with quizzes in it that it'd be good to study for, right? So you can't really just take a break all the time. Um, However, taking like a good hour, hour and a half to just eat, like be alone with yourself for a little bit, just take some time. I really think that's helpful for maintaining your sanity. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, that's interesting. I think especially with ROTC, get an element of physical exhaustion that you don't always get. But I think something that every Duke student has to deal with is that mental exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, even just like taking that 30 minutes to just like eat a meal and just like be alone and collect yourself can kind of be very helpful. Definitely. Do you guys have any hobbies or anything you like to do on the weekends or anything that you think help you either get that separation or create that balance?
2: Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things is just setting aside time where you can spend time with your friends and just enjoy the company. Um, As you know, Michael and I are also roommates, (laughs) and we live in a block with, or suite with two other people as well as a block that is altogether eight people um, of our closest friends. And so it's really great just to be able to have the separation and say, schoolwork all done, halfway through Friday, we can go relax on the quad, we can go um, hang out, we can go and get dinner together. On the weekends, we'll often go thrifting, just going around Durham and finding little fun things to do together. And I think it's just important to, especially getting off campus with friends, is a good way to have that separation from school and realize that there's more than just all this work and all these assignments that are piling up.
3: Yeah, yeah I'd say we t- uh, typically have a system where nothing gets done between Friday night and Saturday afternoon. That's kind of <laughs> like our time where we just do stuff. Doing like an outdoor activity I find like really rejuvenating. Um, we went out and played a uh, croquet on the quad the other day oh that's Um, so fun that was just like a fun little thing to do uh takes your mind off of like all the other stressors you've got going on gets you uh, ready to go again when it's time for it
1: yeah i think that off campus point is really interesting because when we all came here jack michael and i've been friends since freshman year um and we spent a lot of time freshman year together because there was not much else to do our freshman year we were in lockdown like at the upperclassmen weren't here and it was kind of hard for us to get off campus but i think one of the things i regret most about freshman year or not regret but feel like I missed out on most freshman year was being able to explore the city of Durham because well Durham kind of has a bad rap between the undergraduates it actually is I think a great city with a lot of culture so do you guys have a favorite spot off campus or like a place that you really really like to go off campus when you can make the time for it
3: my favorite dinner place personally uh mezcalitos mm, uh, it's like a,
1: newer, a nice newer one newer yeah newer yeah. Mexican
3: place um slightly expensive but not any more than like if you bought woo with your own money fair <laughs> enough just delicious food, great atmosphere. They're always really quick, uh, and it's not too far away. So.
2: It's funny that you went with Mezcolitos because I was going to go in the opposite direction in Durham and say Monterey Mexican, which mm. is right off 15501. And on Friday night, if you sit in the back side near the kitchen, you'll get my man Alfonso. Best <laughs> waiter I've ever had.
1: Interesting, I've never been there. Is Let it? The... Let the go. Okay, yeah, let's Excellent go. Excellent food. Well, that all sounds great. I think that's some great advice, um, especially for underclassmen listening in. I know I have a lot of friends who are like switching into engineering who are just so overwhelmed and like they're like, I feel like I'm so behind. And I think it's a common thing to feel like you're behind even when you're not behind. I don't know if you guys can relate to that at all.
2: Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that helps with that feeling is just doing schoolwork and doing different projects with friends. In that you can talk to them, you can talk to them in outside of the classroom and say like, yeah, I didn't know what you was talking about. And then your friends can be like, oh, I didn't know either. You can do homework together and kind of work through problems in a way that's intuitive to you rather than intuitive to the teacher, or intuitive to the class as a whole. Um, and so I think it's really great to just have a community that can help you work through your homework, work through your problems, as well as provide the social aspect.
3: Yeah, even if they're not like in the same class as you, I think doing... Work with other people is super helpful because it's just like another layer to hold you accountable, right? Yeah. Um, so like that due date might be coming up, but it might be two days from now or something. So you're like, oh, I've got a little bit of time. Um, but if you if you're sat with your group, uh, I think you're more likely to actually continue the assignment and finish it up.
1: Yeah, no, that's such a good tip, especially because I feel like everyone kind of even has that little element of imposter syndrome or just like feeling like you don't belong or feeling like you're behind. But the more you do that kind of thing, and like do work with people, and just spend time with other engineers or just other Duke students in general. I kind of realized we're all we're all feeling like that a little <laughs> bit, but we're all getting through it together.
2: I think that was one of the things that Michael and I realized in the end of last uh, last fall um, when we were doing our product design. It was the night before it was due, and we were in the collab middle of the night. And we thought it would just be us finishing up our project at the very last night before the deadline, but then we found pretty much everyone else from our product design class (laughs) also in the collab that night
3: finishing up their projects. We actually made it out a little early. I think we were gone by 4 a.m. We were not the last ones there. (laughs) We were not the last ones there.
1: Okay, yeah, that's great advice. And I think one thing about where we are in the semester now is that we're kind of in midterm week, and I feel like... Maybe a little bit I'm starting to hit my stride. It kind of feels weird that we're already at midterms. Like, I feel like the semester has gone by so fast. But how do you guys feel about the pace of where we are in the semester?
2: Yeah, midterms always come up super fast. But one of the things I've realized is that the first few, like, two, three, four weeks of the semester are so chaotic just since there's so many different projects and deadlines and assignments being thrown at you. And you're not really sure consistently when things are due for different classes. So it's like a million different things to keep track of. But I feel like by the time you get to the first midterms, that is kind of a great turning point in the semester and that you know these are doing Monday night, these are doing Wednesday night and you can kind of get in the groove of the semester and keep going. So a lot of times the semester will start out so daunting and it seems like midterms is just adding on to that stress but I find that that's often a point of relief almost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I agree once you kind of get the hang of how the flow will go for the semester when you should do what work, it all becomes a little bit easier once you can establish a little bit of a routine. Yeah. So yeah, thank you both so much. I think this was wonderful advice. And I hope you see Jack and Michael around campus. They've got their, their feet in a lot of pots here. So they have some great advice for you if you ever want to talk to them. Thank you, guys.
2: Awesome. Thanks, right now. Thank you.
4: Hi, my name is Richard, and I'm here with Celine from This Engineering Life. And today we are here with a very
5: special guest. I'm Bailey Garbutt. I'm the senior learning consultant at the Econoric Resource Center. We are, first of all, located on East Campus. We are uh, the second floor of the Advising Center, right there off of Buchanan behind the Marketplace. And we are the main resource for students that are looking for learning consultations, but also sign up for peer tutoring or, you know, want to learn more and sign up for our Sage Learning Communities, but are just kind of looking for resources that they might need to, you know, get a better handle on their learning, on their, you know, managing their schedule and being prepared for exams. Awesome. And so what are the different kinds of courses or
4: opportunities students can go to in order to kind of be better prepared?
5: Yeah, Yeah, be better prepared. So as I said, we have our kind of three premier services that we offer, our learning consultations where students can sit one-on-one with the learning consultant, Particularly at the beginning of semester, and you know, set up a really good schedule for their semester. Identify goals that they have in their classes, and you know, be, be better prepared for assignments and exams and you know things like that. We also have our peer tutoring groups, which are free to uh, all all undergraduates at Duke, and they align with the specific courses that students are in. So. When we open up those groups, students can go and look and see you know, are they interested in signing up for, you know, a chem group or, you know, language course or something like that, where they can meet with other students, but in particular meet with our peer tutors, which are prepared for, you know, helping students work on content within those courses and strategies. Related to that, but on a, in a, in a different, in a different level, we have our SAGE learning communities, which are. STEM advancement through group engagement and in these groups students can meet with other students within the courses that they're enrolled in but really work with our SAGE pair facilitators on learning and applying effective strategies particularly metacognitive strategies to be successful within their STEM courses and then we have for students that are looking to meet not necessarily in a tutoring or SAGE setting but just meet together with other students to study for a class or to, you know, work on a project. We have our Study Connect service, so they can sign up, and we will track which class they're hoping to meet somebody in, and once we see that there are two or more students, we will kind of play matchmaker and connect them to each other to, to meet and work.
4: In terms of enrollment, what's kind of like the time frame to, like, join these classes? Is there, like, a oh,
5: deadline, or is there? Yeah, that's a great question. So... The starting time, I think, is most important because, in terms of joining, if there's space, students can join a Sage group at any point in time in the semester. They don't have to feel that because they didn't join early in the semester, they won't be able to later. If they see it as something that that they might benefit from, you know, in preparation for midterms or finals, and and there's space within those groups, they're welcome to join. In terms of starting, that is that is a, a key component, and so. We only open them up when ad drop finishes.
0: Those are like all really great resources. I've I've definitely used them before myself in the past. I've I've used Sage. I've talked to peer success leaders before generally in a great resource. It is a little bit of a trek to go to East Campus if yes. you're already on West. Yes, we but know I that. think there are also plans to try to make things more accessible to West. Yes,
5: Internet. yeah. And so we're we're constantly finding opportunities where we can meet and interact with students on West Campus. We're over here all the time. and We are going to hopefully kick off our reading days in in the libraries again, where we can meet and provide some kind of you know quick support to students. Meet for you know ten fifteen minutes or so. Provide help as as students are preparing to take their exams.
0: What's the like number one thing that students come to you guys for?
5: Mm. So it, I think it depends on the time. We we have definitely waves of students with particular goals for our learning consultations depending on when they're coming to us. Typically at the beginning of the semester, even you know, early to mid semester, they're really interested on setting up a really good schedule, you know, and identifying a, a really good system for keeping up with their classes and their readings and preparing for exams. And so with with that kind of concern. we really like to start with the semester calendar with students and we have the semester calendar every semester we put out a fresh one with the whole semester on one sheet we're really proud of that (laughs) and it's available on our website via pdf or you can print it out and we have copies as a matter of fact i'll plug we have a ton of huge copies that we just printed and so anybody that listens to this come to the ARC or you know, check other student spaces, we'll we'll have some big copies available. But they can meet and we can look at the semester calendar, identify, you know, major dates and major courses and, and things that they have within their courses that they need to do. And then from there we can build out what their weekly schedule can look like and what their, you know, daily plans can look like based on that, what their semester's looking like. In the middle of the semester, we also have a fair amount of students that they have either taken an exam or they're preparing for an exam and they are thinking okay I need to have a plan to study right and so in tandem with the discussion on what a good schedule can look like we also talk about okay within the schedule what should you be doing you know what should you how should you be preparing for this thing that you have to take this exam and so that's when we kind of ask them, you know, what strategies have you been doing? You know, what what are the techniques that have worked well for you? And then of course, you know, in addition to finding out those techniques that have worked well for them, we offer, you know, specific suggestions based on whatever they're preparing for.
0: Is there something that students, you know, tend not to be doing that maybe they don't realize? Like, what do you end up like telling a lot of people that come in? or like to sort of help them
5: through that? Yeah, that's a a good question. So I think there's a couple of areas where that happens. When it comes to, for example, courses that they have reading, a lot of reading in, I think freshmen especially get overwhelmed with the amount of reading that they have to do in their classes. And so they might also have the impression that they're not keeping up because they just see so much reading and they don't see themselves getting through all of it. And so one of the eye-openers that we have for students is that you need to have a purpose and a plan for your reading that is separate from trying to get from beginning to the end of that reading. You need to kind of identify what is this for, these questions that you need to answer, Is this, you know, for a discussion in class? Is it, you know, for an assignment that you're going to turn in? And so once you identify that purpose, and better yet, if there are questions already built into the assignment, can you use the questions to guide your reading? And once you have attended to those questions or you've done enough to be able to talk about it in class or turn in the assignment, that's when you can stop and move on to something else, whether or not you've actually finished the entire reading. And so once students get this idea that strategic reading allows you to move between your courses and your readings, you know, doing a cost-benefit analysis, weighing the, you know, whether you need to do this thoroughly or not, you'll they find that there's more time available for the other commitments that they have. Another bit of a kind of change in mindset that we introduce students to is how they plan out their time to balance the amount of work that they need to get done. So instead of you know, spending three to four hours blocked for just one class or one assignment, you know, which is known as mass practice or cramming, so to speak. <laughs> uh, we encourage students to think about spacing out their their practice or their study time, uh, which of course, comes with the idea of starting early. So that you can plan out, you know, these hour time blocks distributed throughout your week, uh, working on pieces of, you know, that paper, pieces of that reading or that studying over time, really building your progress in that way. And then so subsequently moving between courses in a, in a kind of efficient manner. I think time management
4: is super important, especially when you get into college and, you know, suddenly you don't have seven periods in a row and then you go straight back home or to whatever clubs you're doing not only for freshmen, but honestly, like every time you come back from a summer, you know, you have to kind of get back into the schedule of, you know, prioritizing time management. Mm. Are there any like specific resources that kids don't use as much or are unaware of? Because I know I think everyone kind of comes to ARC expecting like help with time management or tests, but are there any other resources that,
5: you know, are underutilized? I think perhaps Study Connect isn't as prominent and as students aren't as aware of it as our other resources. And so it's a, a steady trickle of students that, you know, sign up and we track and see. But it can be an immense resource to find a partner within, you know, one of those large lectures or, you know, discussion sections that you can sit with on a week on, you know, on a weekend or an afternoon and do some work. It just came from a consultation where a student has another student that has a, a similar enough set of, uh, you know, paths and that they have found a really good system of keeping each other on pace and accountable for the work that needs to be done. And that can often happen where it really comes in is if if this is a, such a particular course or, you know, such a particular topic that there's not a sage or a peer tutoring you know, Study Connect might, might make the difference for students.
0: I definitely think for, like, engineering, getting those first few buddies is super important because mm-hmm. you will often really have a lot of class overlap. Mm-hmm. And having people to keep you accountable is definitely super helpful.
4: Yeah. Can yeah. students come in at any time to get a peer, or is that something you sign up for at the beginning of the semester?
5: Yeah, at any point, so you can put in a request, and you just submit your request, and we're monitoring it constantly to see you know, who can we pair up, who can we match up, you know, a set of two or three um, students for things. So at any point, if you feel that is something that you're interested in, but you're not, you know, maybe connecting with other student groups or whatnot, you can put a, a request in there and we'll, we'll keep track and see, you know, who makes sense to pair students up.
0: I wanted to say this earlier, but your point about strategic reading is so true. I had to make this realization um, when I was taking humanities course, which engineering engineering students will all have to do eventually. Uh, yep. And I was loaded with so many readings, mm-hmm. but eventually realized, like, the whole point of my readings was to write an essay. Mm-hmm. So I didn't need all of those readings mm-hmm. to be relevant mm-hmm. toward what I was going to argue. Mm-hmm. So learning to pick and choose those things mm-hmm. is so important because there, at the end of the day, there are way too many readings that you are assigned sometimes.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I want to highlight... Celine, that you you said like coming to that realization. Because if there's one thing that I emphasize for students, as you are, you know, building your academic career and identifying your goals and things like that, the greatest strategy, the greatest strength that you have is your self-regulation. You know, I advocate for self-regulated learning. And that is that is the like the the skill that I hope I can spark amongst all the students that I meet, whether or not I had like, okay, you know, try this strategy or try this or, you know, how's this and doing is that students gain that self awareness and gain that kind of that practice of asking themselves questions about what's working and what's not working and check in with themselves and check in on, you know, how they're feeling about the things that they're doing and what are the, you know, what are the steps that they have taken and that they need to take you know really being conscious and aware of those pieces will kind of make the difference for students you're gonna identify areas where you you know you didn't feel too good about what happened or what you did but recognize that certainly especially in undergrad that this is there's always an opportunity for growth and development from there and just recognize that what you've learned from this instance is going to help you to be even better and even more kind of efficient the next time around and so there, there's always kind of you know that silver lining or whatever but there's always uh, an opportunity to uh, take what you've learned previously successes or failures and put it into your next challenge or the next thing that you're doing i
4: also think at too there's a bit of a stigma about asking for help i often see you know these really ambitious students like trying to do everything themselves and sometimes like you know It gets overwhelming with all the readings you have and all the Mm -hmm. homework you have. Mm -hmm. And so I really think ARC is a great resource to just go and improve yourself. Mm -hmm. It's all about self-improvement, right? Yes, yes. And so
5: I... It's also about help-seeking. I want to bring that up. And and to your point, Richard, is like, yeah, there is that stigma. And so we, you know, we do as much as we can to, you know, actively battle that and present just help-seeking as a a strategy. And the ARC is one of them that you can make use of regardless of what's going on in your classes, on your assignments to, you know, have that kind of next edge or that next level to continue to be successful. Well,
4: thank you so much for coming by to talk with us and coming on this podcast. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. And it was really wonderful learning all the resources about ARC. Hello everyone, my name is Richard. I am your host in This Engineering Life and I'm with Celine and Juliette.
6: Hi, I'm Juliet. I'm a junior studying biomedical engineering and mathematics. I am a SAGE facilitator is the reason why I'm here today. But I'm also involved in the math union. I'm its co-president. And um, I'm also in, in two dance groups, defining movement and embodiment. Um, and in my free time, I also do research with the medical school and uh, the Randall's lab. Like math room is definitely specifically for math. Sage is under a larger umbrella. So there's biochem, um, Orgo, uh, just anything under this umbrella that students typically need help for. And the students can just sign up for any session that they want to through like Penji, which is a app that we use. And it's really like all up to the students. There's a, It's not necessarily binding either. So it's just like another learning community for students, then. Yeah, yeah. I think this main selling point is that it's group learning, so peer tutoring. You're putting it's um it's the one on one. You have like a single tutor and TAing. You're part of the class, like it's part is integrated in the class structure. But group group learning is mainly you are with a bunch of other students who also want to be there to just practice or to uh, fill in gaps in the content. And people have different gaps in the content, so a lot of it is like we were talking to each other. Um, I give them practice problems and we work through it together.
4: Could you talk a little bit more about the app that you mentioned?
6: If I log into the app to see what session I'm leading and who is signed up for those sessions.
4: Do the students also use the app to sign up or? Yeah. Oh,
6: okay. Yes. And it's not just Sage that uses that. I think all the resources mm-hmm. under ARC uses that. So I could see like peer tutoring, learning consultations and all the other types of resources. <laughs> oh like on a menu. And that's all on PENJI, P-E-N-J-I, PENJI. Yes. So if you like, go to the website for SAGE or any other peer tutoring resource, um, they typically just tell you to log into PENJI and then look at the available sessions through there and you can just sign up. Oh. It's really simple. So how often are your SAGE sessions? Uh, the SAGE sessions depends on the facilitator. Uh, I do it once a week. I know some people do it two times a week. And that would just depend on the facilitators and the students' schedules.
4: And you said you teach math specifically in SAGE?
6: Yes, I specifically facilitate for Math 353. Um, so I've reached out to the professors like, and then look at their syllabus and what resources that they have. And then look at what professors my students have. And then create material that is uh, along the same timeline as all of their professors.
4: I never really did SAGE, but I wish I did it more because I know that it's like, you get these like problems that like help you and they're like pretty much like like similar or like exactly the same as like the problem sets. And so like, since it's like a group thing, like everyone can listen in instead of like huddling around uh, one TA.
6: Yeah. That's for sure. uh, but I will say there's only one Math A53 session and it's limited from six to 10 students.
4: And you sign up for that though, right? Like is it every session or is it like for the entire semester?
0: I think you sign up for the, the semester. Yes. Yeah. I did SAGE for Orgo too, and it was really helpful for me. But I will say that it filled up pretty quickly. Like, so certain classes will fill up pretty quickly. So you definitely want to sign up if it works for your schedule, like, pretty early on in the semester. So you're a student, a successful engineering student. Do you have any, like, personal
6: tips and tricks to share about how you study or what works for you academically? Knowing knowing how to balance your energy is a huge thing. Like, for example, biomaterials was just not my line of interest whatsoever. And I put very minimal energy in it so that I could spend more energy on stuff that I actually care about. (laughs) So, like, the BME major is so large and so comprehensive that you really have to be able to trade off. Your energy is always finite.
4: Did you use any um, academic resources when when you're in class?
6: Office hours, mainly, because a lot of material is very subjective. that was super helpful I I go for like all my classes now
4: yeah it's an underrated tool people don't go as much as they should
0: yeah
6: and like asking your friends for help I know that like everyone does that but your friends are also teachers (laughs) and you are also a teacher anything that you can explain to other people is also a way you learn yourself group
0: learning group learning yes I don't know I feel I, I think the general vibe of engineering at Duke is very collaborative I like have met so many new people through classes just by sitting next to a stranger and then like Asking for their number and like talking about the homework together after that.
6: I actually think Duke does that really well. You, you, you don't really—it's a stereotype that that engineers are—I don't know, like, like toxic, blatantly honest. Yeah, yeah. At least for here, I think Duke does that really well. Like even our major one one prioritizes communication and presentation, strategy, collaboration above all else. And I think having that as an intro class sets the tone for the major, for all the majors in the engineering department as a whole.
4: I think that sums it up pretty well. Thank you so much for agreeing to um, come talk with us about SAGE. And yeah, stay tuned for the next podcast. Thank you.
1: This Engineering Life is brought to you and supported by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences.
0: Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our editors are Raina Varetsky, Richard Kim, and Celine Wang. Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audionautics, and Kevin MacLeod.
1: Join us next week when we interview fellow students and staff about outdoor recreation and education at Duke.
4: You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com. Also, be sure to look us up on TikTok. I'm Richard.
1: I'm Celine. And I'm Reina. And this has been This Engineering Life. See you again soon.